How did an Anglo-Saxon king go from dying while fighting the Vikings to becoming a saint revered throughout the Middle Ages? We'll discuss that today on Footnoting History. Hello, this is Nicole, and welcome to the April 20th episode of Footnoting History. This morning we'll be looking at the death and legacy of the 9th century king, St. Edmund. In 870, a Viking army led by Ivar the Boneless and his brother Halfdan fought against and killed the East Anglian king Edmund. The campaign in which Edmund was killed was part of a larger Viking occupation of Anglo-Saxon England. Although we tend to think of the Vikings as raiders and pillagers, by the mid-9th century they began to establish permanent winter bases in England so that they would not have to return to Scandinavia each year, and soon after they turned towards large-scale occupation and conquest. Our main source from the period, the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, states that a great Viking army, intent on conquering the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms, entered England in 865. Edmund's death and the Viking conquest of East Anglia was just one such victory. By 874, only the Kingdom of Wessex remained independent, and in 875, the Vikings prepared for their second invasion of it. Luckily for the Anglo-Saxons, and for Edmund's memory, in 878, the King of Wessex, Alfred the Great, defeated the Viking army, stopping the Viking advance. Alfred and subsequent Anglo-Saxon kings would later push the Northmen back and consolidate their rule over what became a unified Anglo-Saxon England. So how did this Anglo-Saxon king, who died fighting the Vikings, come to be venerated as a saint in the Catholic Church? Apart from the brief entry for the year 870 in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, most of the details of his life and death come from the account by Abbo of Fleury, who wrote the first life of the saint in the later 10th century. Abbo recounted the tale of Edmund's martyrdom in his Life of St. Edmund, written initially in Latin but also translated into Anglo-Saxon. In it, he recounts that he heard the tale from St. Dunstan, who had heard it from Edmund's own sword-bearer at the court of King Ethelston. This could be chronologically possible, but just barely. What seems to be important for Abbo is that there was a reliable eyewitness to the events, and that it was transmitted via a reliable source. According to the life's account of the martyrdom, Edmund told the Viking messenger that he would submit to the Danes only if they converted to Christianity, which they clearly would not do. Edmund therefore refused to fight against the Danes in order to save the lives of his people, and equally refused to submit to non-Christians. While Abbo noted Edmund's refusal to fight the Danes, the Anglo-Saxon chronicle stated that he brought an army against them and was killed in the fighting. In Abbo's account, the Danes thus tied Edmund to a tree, shot him with many arrows, and beheaded him, hiding his head in thick brambles. This is a clear allusion to St. Sebastian, an early Christian saint and martyr, also tied to a tree and killed with arrows, but by pagan Romans instead of pagan Vikings. To further illustrate the drama between the pagan Danes and the Christian Edmund undergoing martyrdom, Abbo stated that Edmund's calling out to Christ during his martyrdom further infuriated the ferocious pagan Danes. After the Danes had killed Edmund and left, 
people found the body and went searching for the head, which cried here, 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 miraculously, so that they could find it. The head had been guarded by a wolf, who kept it from being attacked by other animals. Because the war was still going on, Edmund's body was buried quickly. But Abbo recounted that many years later, his remains were translated to a church specifically erected for him. When the tomb was opened, the people discovered that instead of decomposing normally, or even having his head remain separate, his body had miraculously reattached to his head, which only had a thin red line where his head and body had initially been severed, the mark of a true saint. According to Abbo, his body was incorruptible because that is the reward for a righteous life and abstaining from fornication. And he said that this was attested to by the widow Oswin, who opened the sepulchre and tended to Edmund's body for many years, cutting his nails and his hair and saving these relics. Here again, Abbo made sure to note that all of his information from Edmund's martyrdom and miracles were from reliable witnesses. As in any good saint's life, Miracles followed at the tomb. Just to give one example, when eight thieves tried to break into the tomb, they were all bound in place by the saint. Abbo, like a good Christian monastic writer, emphasized the struggle between pagans and Christians. Of course Abbo wanted to forward the idea that Edmund was a saint, and not just a king killed in battle. But like other monastic writers of the early Middle Ages, he saw history as the progression and eventual triumph of Christianity and therefore emphasized the religious struggle. Churchmen also emphasized the Vikings' paganism over all else because of their interaction with them. From 793, Vikings sacked monasteries such as Lindisfarne in Northumbria, that is northern England, because they were wealthy and more or less unguarded. Although the warrior elite of Anglo-Saxon England and the rest of early medieval Europe acted in many respects like the Vikings, they respected monasteries, well, usually. Edmund was, of course, not the only king to die in battle in the period from the ninth to the early 11th centuries when power struggles that engulfed the Scandinavian world often played out in England. King Olaf, who was a mercenary for the Anglo-Saxon King Ethelred, who also lost his throne to other Northmen, was killed at the head of an army trying to retake the throne of Norway. Like Edmund, Olaf also came to be venerated as a saint and continues to be the patron saint of Norway. Edmund's cult was definitely founded by 895, at which point the first of a series of St. Edmund coinage was issued. More than likely, the community of very St. Edmunds had formed around the king's body by this point. Through the 10th and 11th centuries, Edmund's cult enjoyed royal patronage and devotion by the kings of Wessex, who, as they gained territory from the Danes, later became kings of England. Abbo's promotion of Edmund as a saint was successful. Edmund became a symbol of Christian kingship and of the political claims of the kings of Wessex to rightly rule England instead of the Northmen. Edmund lost his position as the top saint in England to St. George after the Norman conquest in 1066, but as recently as 2006 there was a major effort to restore Edmund to his position of patron saint of England. Although the campaign was unsuccessful, the Suffolk County Council did adopt him as the patron saint of Suffolk. In addition to being a royal saint, Edmund became the patron of the new monastery of Bury St. Edmunds. His body was ceremoniously translated to the new abbey church in 1095, and in 1098 Baldwin, the abbot of Bury, 
commissioned a work which forwarded the Abbey's political claims on the miracles of St. Edmund. Edmund's cult continued to enjoy popularity throughout the Middle Ages. The Abbey of Bury St. Edmund's was a popular pilgrimage site and became very wealthy because it housed Edmund's body. His battle even continued to be born in battle, including at the famous Battle of Agincourt in 1415. And that is how a relatively obscure East Anglian king became a Christian martyr revered throughout the Middle Ages and up to the present day. This has been Footnoting History. If you liked our podcast, be sure to check us out on the web at footnotinghistory.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as information on upcoming podcasts. Join us next week when we'll be talking about the facial reconstruction of a young girl from ancient Greece. Until then, remember, the best stories are always in the footnotes. See you next week!